0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is Episode 19 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com, and Equus Online University. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have two guests. We have Sheila Varian, an icon and lover of Arabian horses, And we have Debbie Lauks. Oh, that's me. And you're listening to the horsemanship (laughs) radio. Welcome back, everyone. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, here today with me. And I thought maybe you could explain why I said I'm the second guest today.
2: You are the second guest today as part of our series that we've done this past month on the Horse Radio Network, where our listeners get to know their hosts in a more personal and less horsey way. You get to take the hot seat, and I get to play James Lipton. Oh, yeah, the fire the questions kind of guy. Yes, and yeah. uh, we're going to ask some questions about Debbie Lauk so folks can get to know you better. No, it's going to be fun.
1: <laughs> it's always fun with you, Jen. Uh, well, up next, we have an icon in the not only the Arabian horse world, but also in the world of Western riding.
3: Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey At IFA.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll free at 888 643 3133. That's 888 643
1: 3133. To say that Sheila Varian is a breeder and a competitor of fine Arabian horses may be the biggest understatement in the horse world. 70% 70% of today's Arabian show horses winning today carry Varian blood. Varian Arabians have over 50 years of breeding success. For her contributions as a breeder and as a horse trainer in the Vaquero tradition, she was inducted into the National Cowboy Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame in 2003. Welcome, Sheila Varian. Thanks for joining us today, Sheila. How's everything going out there? Everything's just fine, Debbie. I'm really excited to have you on. It's been a while since I've seen you, but I know you were just out at the Lighthands Horsemanship Clinic Workshop over a couple of weeks ago, and I just missed you. Mom and Dad were out there with you, though, and said you were riding well and looking good.
4: (laughs) It was fun. It was nice to get back on my horse.
1: It's been six months. Has it? Been six months. Well, Sheila's had some health challenges, but uh, she's back. And uh, I'm sorry I missed that, but I I know that you're probably getting excited to do some more riding now.
4: Actually, I'm going to ride this afternoon, and we're uh, working hard on our 60-year celebration, which is going to come up here
1: uh, August 2nd and 3rd. I can't believe it. It's your Diamond Jubilee? Yep.
4: Diamond Jubilee that I've uh, had Arabian horses.
1: Exactly, yeah, and that's 60 years. You can't You you can't have you must have like done warp time in your life. I don't know how you do sixty years, huh? <laughs> well, we'll just uh, we'll just leave it as it is. Yeah, just say I started when I was two, and uh, <laughs> no, you have built quite a, a huge operation out there, but in a in a quiet and incremental way. I love your um, I love your whole philosophy about your Arabian Breeding Association and. Um, and how you breed your horses. But I I told people when I was introducing you that uh, you have not only contributed um, hugely to the breeding and training of Arabians, but that you're also uh, a woman of the vaquero tradition and that you were inducted into the National Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame in 2003. Do those two worlds uh, seem like oil and water, or do they just seem magical to you?
4: No, they seem perfectly normal to me. Um, I've been riding after cattle and on ranches ever since I was a kid. And mostly I got to start getting on ranches when I had Arabian horses. So no one has ever complained about me and my Arabian horses and and the ranching philosophy. Um, and I was lucky to learn from Sid Spencer, who was a wonderful woman rancher out here about uh, 10 miles from me, uh, the Vaquero tradition when I was a little girl, when I was like 14 or so. So that really stuck with me. And I have been interested and followed that my whole life.
1: And, and I've watched that just about my whole, well, definitely my whole life. Um, we, we lived not too far from each other when I was born in San Luis Obispo. And uh, I know that you are a true horsewoman from uh, the get-go. You you were at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, when I remember you first, I believe.
4: And I used to ride from here over to where you lived. Yeah. And on occasion worked cattle with uh, your dad, Monty.
1: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. A lot of great horsemen have come out of the Western tradition and have, have gone on to be quite influential. Um, according to, I was reading Arabian Horse World magazine statistics, and Varian Arabians, that's you, is the all-time leading breeder of English horses and all-time leading breeder of Western horses. That's amazing out of the Western tradition. Isn't it Arabian? It just seems like an anomaly.
4: Well, you know, of all the breeds, the Arabian can do more things uh, quite differently. And so when uh, I was coming up the ranks, there was a period of time when the Arabian horse, Western horse, wasn't as important in our breed as English horses. So Mm
0: -hmm.
4: I bred and rode English horses. But I always had my western horses uh, in my mind and so eventually we came generations down of the stallions to the stallion desperado and he really uh, got me back into riding with a hackamore and a spade bit and I was riding out on Don Severa's ranch mm-hmm. and um, so that got me back into the ranching end of it again mm-hmm. and I've just kept that going for the last uh, 30 years
1: yeah, amazing. So as a competitor, not just the breeder, what do you breed for in your Arabians?
4: Well, I I breed, of course, for um, confirmationally good horses. I mean, if they aren't confirmationally good, then we have nothing anyway. Good point. I, um I mean, they've got to be pretty. Arabian horses are pretty, so mm-hmm. more than some other breeds, I still want a really beautiful horse.
3: Mm-hmm. But he
4: has to be, he has to have a good saddle back. He's got to have good feet. Uh, He's got to have certainly a good brain and, and very trainable. I want him easy to train because uh, I don't want to, I always say, I don't want to sweat. Yeah. And if I don't want to sweat, then I have a, to have a horse that, Is very trainable and doesn't uh, cause me any trouble. And that's pretty much
1: an Arabian horse. (laughs) That's true. It's true. I saw you on, we were together on an ACTA ride, American Competitive Trail Horse Association, oh, a few years ago. And I was on a little two- or three-year-old just starting out. And uh, you won everything. I think there were 60 riders in this little upstart uh, uh, competition we were in, six miles, six what do they say? Six miles, six obstacles or something. And uh, you were amazed. And your horse was so quiet and beautiful. And uh, do do you do a lot of trail riding with your horses to keep them not just in the show ring?
4: Well, that that particular horse and the ones that I'm riding now, I really don't show. Uh, They just strictly ranch ride. I'm not too good on trail riding because I always tend to go off the trail and, <laughs> and go do something. But um, those, the horses that I personally ride, and there's three of them, those horses uh, don't go to shows. They just uh, are the ones that if somebody calls and said they're going to gather, they're the ones that mm. I throw in the trailer and off we go. And they, they're very useful horses. They, they know their job. And that was really fun. It was really the only one I've been on. I'd love to go on another one sometime. Oh, that should, was fun.
1: It was fun. Huh? It's a great concept. Yeah, let's do one together. I you know there, that Rancho Oso above uh, Lake Atuma there is so gorgeous. I've forgotten how big those trees are up there and how beautiful and shaded it is. And yeah, let's we'll do call that me again next time. I will. I will. I didn't know you were going to be on that one. It was exciting. But um, you know, I know that you've got such a great operation there too. I'm thinking about those horses. Who were you on the light hands then? One of those three, or yes, uh-huh. yes, mm-hmm. a horse Beautiful. named Jubilation. Jubilation, yeah. That's yes, it. and he is, he's
4: what five or six generations of, of I guess five uh, going straight back through the stallions that I stood to the original stallion Bayabi,
1: mm-hmm. and
4: then several generations in the mare as well.
1: Mm, fun. So how many generations back now is your breeding program?
4: Nine through the mothers, the wow. dams, wow. And, and now I'm standing a really great young horse, a two-year-old that I'm just wild about, mm-hmm. and he's six generations uh, directly back, right through the stallions, through uh, his sire McClintock, who's sired by Desperado, sired by Huckleberry Bay, Bale Bay, Bay Abbey goes right back.
1: Okay, great. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how many people can claim anything of of that kind of lineage with so many champions. Too, uh, I I love your team out there too. Do you want to give a shout out to any of your team members? I know they're part of that success. My my, I'm sorry. What members? So, so, a shout out to some of your team members. Some of the people that have worked for you for so long.
4: Oh, oh well. Um, goodness, am I lucky or what? Angela Alvarez has been here 28 years.
1: Yes.
4: Um, Bob just retired. He'd be 28. Maddie's been here 28. Jaime has been here 21 or 2. Mike, 19 or so. Miguel, 25. So we've got a crew that really knows what they're doing. In fact, today we were just out videoing uh, horses for our uh, summer our, our diamond jubilee in august and i was thinking you know we've been doing this together so long angela does the videoing and then mike and Jaime and i and we always handle the same areas in the arena we know just what we're doing
0: yeah. Yeah, that's
4: everybody nice. works together so well as a team and it definitely um Makes everything you do easier, you know. But it takes a long time. It does not happen instantly. It's a long period, and you have to have people that stick around and then that will learn to do it the way you want to do it because I am the one that is responsible for it, whether it's good or not good. And so I take on that responsibility strongly. And so, and Angela and I work very much as a team here in the office. She she does so many things, um, and and we've gotten so good at what we do that we communicate. But I don't have to necessarily tell her what to do. She she knows what uh, what the ranch needs, and we just communicate about what we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. You've always been uh, a woman that knew what she wanted and, and ahead of the curve, for sure. Uh, I remember, you know what I'm going to say, that uh, the most notable horse I remember is Rontesa. Uh, can you tell our our listeners a little bit about, I think this goes back to 61, I want to yes. say? Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, of course, I was young, and so I've always said about Ronteza now, what's What's really extraordinary about that young mare is nobody else ever rode her. Uh, wow. I rode her through all of her training, all of her showing, and then on through her later life, and then stopped riding her when she was 10 because I always felt like I was either going to have her in condition and show and ride her well, or I wasn't going to ask her to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. So. I got her as a two year old <clears throat> she was the second horse I ever put into a spade bed and and you know um i I was good with horses, but you're still young and you're mm-hmm. still you only know so many things and I've always said about that mare is that she took me by the hand Aww. and that i the my, the smartest thing that I had to offer <clears throat> was that i when I didn't know how to do something and I didn't have a teacher or or anybody, I was doing it on my own, mm-hmm. when I didn't know how to do something and and we it wasn't happening I was asking her to do something and nothing was going right then I would get off and sit on a stump and think about it until I could visualize my way through it and then usually when I mounted back up she would Kind <laughs> take the ball. <laughs> and how that little mare ever got to be so great is mm. just her. She yeah. was just a star. I mean, she really learned to work cattle um, in the arena, showing. I rode her out at Sid Spencer's after cattle, but we mm. didn't have an arena. We didn't work anywhere. Wow. And I can tell you an interesting story about your dad that I always, I've always always appreciated.
1: Okay, good.
4: Uh, One time I rode over to your house, and you had the big arena, and you had cattle. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have any cattle. And so I wanted to work her down the fence a few times and in the arena, because as I said, I didn't have that to do. And I got on her, now she'd already been shown quite a bit, so your dad knew her well, and and, uh, he'd we competed against one another a lot. So I went down the fence, and she went by. She went Uh by her cow. Yeah. And I was so surprised because this mare never went by a cow. Mm. And I tried it again, and she went by again. And I was just sitting there, nonplussed, and your dad said, you know what, just don't do anything because that mare will never go by cattle unless there's something wrong. Oh. And so I just rode home and uh, didn't do anything, and that was the only time she ever went by cattle.
1: And what was wrong, do you think? But he,
4: I don't know, but your dad was smart enough to say, Ah, yeah. leave it was her into alone, a, yeah. don't, don't correct her, don't do anything about her, because that's not her. She yeah. won't go by cattle. Ah. So don't do anything except the fact that there is something wrong. And I was, rode home and gave her a few days off and went back to doing what I normally did.
1: Wow, that is a cool story because she did, uh, listeners might not know, but we'll let them know right now, that she beat uh, 50 horses of all breeds to win the 1961 Rain Cow Horse Championship at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. And uh, there weren't a lot of women that had ever won that, had there been any?
4: Um, I, I don't know if there were any.
1: Yeah. And I don't think there had been any Arabian mares. No, no Arabians.
4: And I was an amateur at that point. There
1: you go. That is an amazing. I don't, yeah, there's a but.
4: But I have to say, you know, people were really good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, They seemed to appreciate, I was teaching school at that time. So I wasn't hanging around with anybody. I was pretty much teaching school, riding my horses and going on about my business. Mm -hmm. And I didn't... uh, People were very good about being supportive, as I recall. I mean, I never had people giving me a hard time because I had an Arabian horse. Certainly at that time, if you rode a good horse, it didn't matter what it was, they liked Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And that that was all of the information that I got. And Then I met Tom Dorrance, Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of years after the Cal Palace, and he was really influential to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what a great upbringing. He gave you uh, a spin on all these Arabian horses, but he didn't care if a horse was Arabian or Morgan or anything else. He just worked no. with the horse that he had. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, he, he, he brought in a whole different, different feeling on things. I mean, mm-hmm. he brought in all the softness that we all learned to enjoy, mm-hmm. and didn't know about when we were all growing up with
1: this. Tradition. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What's the one thing that uh, that you still enjoy from tradition? Because I know we've thrown a lot of it out, you know, just what you were just referring to. But have oh. you kept any? Yeah.
4: Oh, I, I sure have. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> beauty, the beauty of the tradition, the uh, style of it. I mean, you can still do all the same things. You just approach it in a little different way. We have a different kind of horse now than they had then. We're Mm. not going out and catching five-year-old wild horses Mm. uh, that have not the same kind of breeding that we're breeding now with these softer horses. So uh, I think we still breed and train a lot the same way. It's the softer training now, which is certainly more enjoyable. I mean, it's not. I mean, the Vaquero life was not an easy life. Mm-hmm. That was a difficult time. It was. It was a time when um, horses were not as valuable as they are now. Mm-hmm. And, however, I still totally believe in the ride out and uh, school around a bush and. All of the things that were important at that, in the vaquero life, which was riding a lot of hours and not asking a lot in between a lot of those hours, I still believe in that. And the equipment, um, certainly I have a lot of the old equipment, so does your dad, mm-hmm. and I think we will always appreciate it and yeah. enjoy it, and I certainly will always work with the vaquero idea in mind.
1: Very good, yeah. Yeah, the beautiful artisans, really, that have created the generations. And it is generational with the equipment, too. Uh, It's being passed down to the children, so it is a beautiful tradition for the equipment alone. Mm -hmm. Well, we we really want to invite people to come and see. What would they need to do to come see your Diamond Jubilee in August?
4: Well, they can go to my website, which is varianarabians.com. Okay. And uh, they can read about it. They can always call me. My telephone number is on it, on okay. there, or they can go to Contact Me, which comes directly to me. Okay. And, nice. um, and there's a charge. It's a two day affair. Uh, if they sign up for the full two days, they also get a ticket to the documentary that's been put together quite spectacularly. Right. A, quite yeah. impressed. I. I'm not into this kind of thing too much, but I must say I'm getting excited about it.
1: Oh, the photos are beautiful. I can't wait to see it.
4: It's going to be at the Clark Center for the Performing Arts on Saturday night, and they can either go to the whole event, Saturday and Sunday during the day, or just go to the Clark Center, and it's all on the website, or they can call me if they want more info.
1: That's great, Sheila, and everybody should uh, go to appreciate a a 60-year-old tradition of Arabian breeding like none other. I I don't know, some of the championships and and statistics you've racked up, I don't know if anybody could ever uh, compile the the history that you have and you've put together. Thank you, Sheila, I, I so appreciate having you on. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts,
3: and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced writer, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com.
2: And now, Debbie Lauxs. That time has come. It's sort of like waiting in the waiting room to go and sit in the dentist chair. Oh, trepidation! Dennis. Your yeah. heart, your heart rate's up a little bit. Maybe a little hey, sweaty z- palms z- z-
1: in the background.
2: <laughs> it's time forget to know the host.
1: Okay. <laughs> Maybe you should just forget to know the host.
2: <laughs> You know when, <laughs> right? when when I did it, it wasn't quite as painful as I thought because Jamie did it, and she was very kind to me because her her baby was awake, so she didn't uh-huh. dod, she didn't dawdle at all.
1: She didn't dawdle. Yeah, we'll put Jamie on. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, no, I'm glad to have you, Jen. You always I've got make
2: all the time in the world, Debbie.
1: Oh, speed it up. <laughs> So uh,
2: what what we did is uh, we thought we'd get let all of our listeners get to know the hosts a little bit. And each and every host on the Horse Radio Network, including Glenn and I, um, answered the same group of questions that are really pretty much not horse questions.
1: Good idea. Although
2: I, I did manage to bring horses into a couple of my answers. <laughs> Good um, idea. Yeah. And I've got a sneaking suspicion Glenn did, too. Uh, so we're um, gonna we're gonna get right to it with the first question, which is in in some cases may be the most interesting for some of us, and I'm sure for Jamie it was. Do you remember your
1: first date? Who was it with, and where did you go? I do remember my first date, but I don't know if it's that interesting. <laughs> Actually, you're pretty young on your first date, right? Boring. And
2: first dates are yeah. only interesting in Disney movies.
1: Yeah, right, right, and the. Girls are usually cuter too, but the uh, the the name is interesting. His name was Bubba Haley. Oh wow, Bubba Haley couldn't make that up, right? And we were in San Luis Obispo. Some people know that for the Madonna Inn, and it was at a restaurant. Uh, it was at a restaurant on a hill that later became a radio station. How about that oh, tie-in? Wow, in. Kismet. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but other than that, it wasn't memorable. <laughs> <laughs> As, as are most, because
2: as I said, Disney movies and zombie apocalypse movies are the only time mm-hmm.
1: that uh, right. first
2: dates are interesting.
1: First date zombies, never thought of that. You know? yeah, yeah. Too much BBC America <laughs> in
2: my life, yeah. oh, <laughs> Too much, bad okay. thing. Next one, your favorite place that you have traveled. Now this ought to be good, because you've been doing some traveling.
1: Mm. Yeah, a lot of it's with work, though. Do you count that as a favorite place? I loved the south coast of Portugal. I just thought the people, the food, the ocean and it was just my, and, and the horses, uh, you, there's a lot of expats there <laughs> and they have beautiful, wonderful horses and, uh, and they were well treated. So it was, it was, I'd go back there in a, in a heartbeat. It was the whole package. Yeah, it was the package. There we go. Sure.
2: There we go. Next one's easy. Your favorite color.
1: Uh, I always go for some sort of natural blue color.
2: And I'm sure there's some kind of research somewhere that tells us something about ourselves. But that means, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm know. sad or
2: sad or Yeah, know. you're happy, you're sad. Yeah, you have an ingrown toenail when you were nine years old.
1: Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Very specific. Okay.
2: So you're, is there a
1: specific blue or is it just blue? I don't like that neon blue stuff. I like, you know, kind of a natural blue.
2: Okay. That blues that occur in nature
1: versus blues that occur in Thank video you. games. That is, ex- okay, yeah. yeah okay. I've never seen a balloon in I don't play video games. Yeah, but right. yes, I love it. Of course, natural. It goes with my horsemanship here, right? See, so, there you got the horse yes, in. I Thank you. In. Thank got you.
2: <laughs> and your first job?
1: I think being a kid is a hard job. Don't you think that? Eh, it's got to be the first job, right? <laughs> okay? Yeah. My job is to be a kid. <laughs> I'm growing up to be a kid. That's right. no. no. Yeah. And you're still doing
2: it, and you're doing a very good job.
1: (laughs) You're so good, Jen. Yes.
2: All right. The first car you ever
1: owned. Oh, this is where I bring in the horse. There you go. It was a Pinto, of course. (laughs) No, really? It was. Oh, you couldn't make this up. It was a 1971 uh, yellow Pinto with a white vinyl top. It cost about a dollar a pound because it weighed about 2,000 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it caused say You got uh, Wow. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. You know what? See, and I'm still talking at you, which means that I actually survived its reputation. Yes. <laughs> because it was the one that had the gas tank at the back. Yes, the blow-up and machine. I, yeah. Exactly. And I didn't get hit from behind, obviously. It was so. an explosion waiting to happen.
2: And you had a seriously tricked-out Pinto if it had the vinyl roof. That was uh, seriously tricked-out. Yeah. That's
1: what I Don't tell me otherwise. <laughs> Oh my gosh! That's Never funny. mind the squirrel engine in it, but y- yes, it had four hamsters. Uh huh. Exactly. You could feed it
2: alfalfa cubes, and it would go. <laughs> Your favorite TV show
1: of all time? My favorite TV show of all time. Well, I probably watched more Lassies than any other show, just because what, I mean, there was like how many Lassies and how many versions of the, yeah.
2: the same show. All many, in, many, many incarnations. Lassie. Many
1: incarnations. Yes, Lassie does this, Lassie does this. And, and But, you know, Gilligan's Island would have to be a close second. I watched a lot of Gilligan's
2: Island. Yeah, me too. How about your favorite musical
1: group of all time? And I suppose musician could could be used instead of musical group. Oh, yeah, musician makes it tough. But I, I just had this vision of me and my pinto playing Chicago tracks. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Remember Chicago? Rock, ro- rock t- and roll, but terrible. classy rock and roll. I like it. Exactly.
2: In an eight track. Nothing like it. Nothing <laughs> like an eight track. Yeah. And uh, there, there are only people who were born within a very small window of time that know what an eight I track suppose. is.
1: So, yeah. You only eat so many eight tracks before you go. There's got to be a better way than eight tracks. <laughs> yes. They, kids go out and Google that. Yeah. Google that. <laughs> yeah.
2: And how did you
1: meet your spouse. Oh, I get to tell on him here. I was working out in a Nautilus gym. Some people will have to Google that too, but Nautilus gym during college. And, um, I was that one of their first members knocked on the door before they even opened it up. So I knew how to use the machine. So when my husband came in, I, we were in college, but you know, he was this big jock on campus But the manager of the club made me show him how to use the weights. (laughs) Ooh, Ooh. wow. Yeah. Yeah, Not quite as classy as meeting in a bar, but you know. No, that's much
2: classier than meeting in a bar. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) Obvious obviously, when he met you, you proved from the get-go that you had brains. Yeah. Brains and brawn. (laughs) you, You had brains and you had brawn right there from the get go. You That's had right. It's not package. good taste. That's it's right. a complete package. <laughs> How about your favorite movie of all time? Oh, I always say The Wizard of Oz.
1: <gasps> that was a, that was my favorite movie too. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yes. is that man behind the curtain? No, I love that movie. I, didn't you just wait all year for it to be played? The you know we got to watch it once a year for years. Yeah, right? it was on once a year, usually in the
2: in the spring. Yes. And uh, I, I loved that movie because I thought really hard about this because I'm kind of a movie buff. Oh. And I came up with a couple of others like, oh, that was a fantastic movie for so many reasons. But then I thought every single time I come across The Wizard of Oz playing on the television set, I will stop and watch it.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: It doesn't matter if I watched it a week ago. Yeah, I will stop and watch it every time. Yeah,
1: lips start moving for all the lines. And
2: yeah, and those monkeys were really scary. Oh, like, uh, I distinctly remember, remember being terrified of the monkeys as a little kid. <laughs> yes, still don't, still don't care for monkeys. Still don't care for monkeys. No, no, I was wrong. I, I, I. Yeah, uh, how about the worst trouble you ever got into growing up? Surely you
1: never got into trouble, Debbie. No, and I'm not going to start telling you about it now. <laughs> Uh, you know, before I had that fancy Pinto that I told you about, mm-hmm. you know, pinto? there was a terrible incident that began with the Corvair. So, uh, when we were, oh, I was about 12 and- You can my, get into a lot of trouble with a Corvair. Yeah. Yeah. And it had the, the, the um, what do you call it? The stick sh- the gear shift thing yeah. on the dash. So yeah. you can Google that on the dash. What has a stick shift on the dash? A Corvair but It was-, it was <laughs> Exactly, so you have to Google that. But it has, uh, oh, and it was like army green. It was like really ugly. And it had more hay in the engine than engine mostly, you know, because we never cleaned it or anything. But anyway, we love this little thing because that's what we got to go around the 5th and did everything in. But there was one time when – and it involved, you know, pulling hair out through a window, and you know, kind of crazy stuff that we shouldn't have been doing. And we went over an irrigation pipe, mm. and the Corvairs are really low if anybody knows them. Yes. And so there was like five of us, right? So we're like, we got to get the Corvair off this thing. We're like twelve, eleven, ten, <gasps> nine, eight. <laughs> oh, wow! And we're like, it's getting dark. We have to get the Corvair off the irrigation pipe, but at at dusk finally it was dad um we're stuck down at the what <laughs> oh, wow. and i was you know i'm the oldest and i'm the one responsible for the car and i was 12 after all so you know
2: you should have, have done the- better
1: at 12 yes yeah. Yeah. yeah wow have
2: that was and pretty bad had that happened today that would so have been
1: on youtube Yes, yes. He would have had the telephones out filming me and I would have been bawling but, you know. yeah. Actually I don't remember crying I probably wasn't in that much trouble but if I get in worse trouble than that I'm not going to tell you about it anyway
2: <laughs> That's going to be a family secret forever <laughs> Yeah, inside <laughs> <laughs> Well now we move on to the, the, the um, speed round of our Get to Know the Hosts These are the uh, sampling of the questions that James Lipton used on the in- Inside the Actors Studio TV show that many of us are familiar with Okay. Um, so here we go. And and remember, I do not have a beep button. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I get to think. <laughs> yeah. What is your
1: favorite word? I like beautiful. Beautiful? Oh, sorry, oh, okay. I gotta louder, I, but my eyes were closed. <laughs> oh, it's I beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. Beautiful. In so awesome. many different languages and everything, it's always beautiful. Oh, I like it. Oh, okay, and your least favorite word? Oh, I hate it when people go, really? Oh, no, because that's what I use all the time. Because I say it all the time, too. And I think, well, yeah, why do you think I said it the first time? Really?
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have to become more cognizant of that one. Me too.
1: Yeah. What turns you on? Uh, Positivity. I like positive people. (gasps) Oh, good. And what turns you off? Glass half empty people. (laughs) Ah, see?
2: There you go. And what sound or noise do you love? Mm,
1: I love? I love when we go up in the mountains packing and the running streams, the, you know, I'm not going to say babbling brook because it's running streams. It's a beautiful sound, puts me to sleep.
2: And it's your favorite sound and your favorite word together. Yes. And what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, traffic. Err. Traffic. Ur. all right now now here's the time for your for the beep button what is your favorite curse word oh beep
1: button ready uh no actually i like all you know like in cartoons where they do all the the funny symbol always makes me smile it makes me smile because you know insert whatever word you want to put in there i just like all the stuff (laughs) that's pretty good
2: (laughs) did you spend a lot of time growing up watching warner brothers cartoons
1: I must, yeah, yeah.
2: I must. Have. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel, I'm speaking with a soulmate at this point. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah. Looney Tunes, here I come. Uh-huh. What, <laughs> what, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Oh, if it was a profession, it would ruin it. <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want a profession. But I, you know what? I always thought it'd be like Zen-like to be one of those uh, sculpture garden architects. Ooh, ooh! There you go. See
2: that coming? Wow, highbrow. Don't and, pay me for it. <laughs> and what
1: profession would you not like to do? Oh, <laughs> anything that Glenn Hebert does, all that technical stuff—I don't. <laughs> I can believe. Yep. Throw that computer out the window. Most days if i could if i had Very no good. that'd be the worst that'd be the worst don't make me do that no maybe IT. farrier work too I, my back would be give so fast i don't know how those guys do it and gas uh, mm-hmm.
2: so uh, it work and farrier work
1: are on the same level for you yeah one one being frustrating one being painful yes. yeah i cannot disagree <laughs> yeah and, and
2: our final question if heaven yeah. exists what would mm-hmm. you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
1: Oh, and heaven does exist. Uh, well, you know, my good, my good upbringing would say that I should say the scripture that says, uh, um, you know, the well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you job well done. Uh, but, but I always like that that quote. What's the one about being messy? Like life is. It should be a journey. You know, of where you arrive not in a pretty well preserved body, but all. Messed up rather you you, you know, sky, sky, skipping in and or what is sliding in, I guess, or something and being totally worn out and saying, Wow, what a ride! Cool. <laughs> I like that. Wow, what a ride! Wow, what a ride!
2: That's cool. That's, and, then, and, then they, and then he's gonna ask you about that Corvair.
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's, a, it's gonna haunt me the rest of my life now.
2: <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, letting us get to know.
1: Debbie locks a little bit more. That was fascinating. That was fun, Jen. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to have to go listen to you guys. Welcome back, Audrey Griffin. Thank you for agreeing to come back and sharing with our listeners um, a favorite tip of yours. I don't even know what it is, so let us know.
0: Okay. Well, when you're in a group riding, or even if it's just two or three or four of you, if somebody has to get off their horse for some reason – it's really important that you stay with them until they get back on because sometimes if you keep riding, their horse gets a little uh, anxious and uh, bad things might happen. And also when you approach a gate and the gate is shut, you go through the gate, but make sure that you close that gate after you're on the other
1: side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something you've learned the hard way. (laughs) (laughs)
0: well you know we all learn things the hard way but you know it just comes down to basic manners it's really important to have good manners all the time even on your horse
1: yeah both for for the people and the animals isn't it absolutely
2: absolutely and you know something You make friends if sometimes you volunteer as the person on the tall horse to get off and open and close that gate. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Don't always make the guy on the short horse do it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and there's some girls, there's some people that just always have to be up front and open up the gates. And you know something? I just love it. I thought, if they want to do it, that makes me
1: happy. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll have to add that. Our, our Equus Online University, that uh, dad does these recordings of lessons, we have almost 300 up there now. We don't have manners, uh, we have a lot of mounting block lessons, everything. We'll have to add that to it. Audrey, could you be one of our models?
0: Absolutely.
1: Oh, great. Good. We Absolutely. Need we'll work on the script with Jen. She's got all the best punchlines for that. Too. Okay, that's great. Well, thanks again. Thanks for being back with us, Audrey. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here?
0: Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Solvang, California. That's coming up in August 4 through 8, and that's called Monty's Special Training, and it's a clinic at Flag is Up Farms. Then September 20, a Night of Inspiration at Flag Farms. September 21, Life Lessons with Monty and Pat Roberts. October 5, 10, 16, 18, 22, 24, and October 30th will all be on tour in the UK with Monty and his team. And November one will wrap up in Glen Eagle, Scotland. Beautiful Glen Eagles. Don't wow. oh, you love
2: I want to go there. It just sounds beautiful. It, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And you can see more at Monty Roberts.com or you can get, get Monty's cal- Monty's calendar and maybe learn how to speak by calling 805-688-6288. And that about wraps it up for today. So for details, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com, where we will have links, photos, and more information about our guests. And we always love to get your feedback. So you can follow us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts. And on Twitter, at twitter.com
1: forward slash Monty underscore Roberts. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. Be sure to visit the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.